James chapter 4. As we've been going through James, it's been um, a lot of one-two punches. I don't know if, if you agree or not. But uh, James, he just loves these people. He sends out this letter to, the, to be read in the churches. And as he's doing that, he, he, the basic thought that he's having is, hey, if we say that we're Christians, if we say that we're born again, it should be reflected in our lives. And if it's not reflected in our lives, then are you Christians? Are you even His? You know, and I think each one of us, when we, we, when we uh, you know, we, anytime we walk through Christ, we have seasons where we go in and out and we, you know, we fluctuate a little bit. But there should be this steady um, work of the Spirit in our lives and, and, and the old ways being given over to and, re, and resisting the flesh and giving into the Spirit and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to allow you to change that in my soul, in my life. And when that doesn't happen, boy, I tell you, you can be a miserable Christian because you're, you changed. You were a new creation in Christ Jesus. And living in the old way, in the old standards, it's just, it's not satisfying anymore. It doesn't satisfy your soul. It didn't satisfy then. It was deceptive. But now here we are in Christ Jesus, and James is looking at that church and going, I love you guys, but listen. Is your life reflecting it? If you are a true believer, if you are calling out, if you called out for Jesus to be your Savior, and he's coming in and saved you, there should, it should be reflected in the way we live and the way we walk. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but in chapter 1, just to, just a recap. You know, he talks about we're to be a people who persevere in our trials, knowing that God's going to use that to mature us. That's one of the characteristics. Perseverance. How many of you are in trials today? Persevere. Know that God is working out something in you for his glory to change you into his image. Don't resist it. Go to him and call out to him and ask him, Lord, use this to change me. Show me what's going on in my heart and my life. He also exhorts us in chapter 1 to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Watch your mouths. As children of the living God, we should, we should be different than we were. Be quick to listen. And slow to speak and slow to anger. This is a work of the Spirit in our lives. And how many of you have been uh, working on that your whole life? Boy, back in the world, you just snap and go crazy, right? But steadily, as you've been walking with the Lord, He's been taking a little bit of the edge away. Some of you need to knock it off just completely and just fall before the Lord and go, Hey, me included, you know? Lord, do that work in me again. Change me. This is to bring you glory. You know, we're to keep a tight ring on our tongue. And in chapter 2, we're not to show favoritism. Someone walks in the room who has fine clothes and riches and all these types of things, and we go and we go, oh, here's the finest seat. Go ahead and have this seat. This is for you. And yet someone comes in who is poor, and we neglect them. The problem wasn't that we showed, showed kindness to the riches, that we neglected the poor. We neglected the least of these. And Jesus talks about the least in the kingdom of God, that to him the gospel has been implanted. How many of you were of noble birth? How many of you were super intelligent when the Lord brought you out of the world? Not many, he says. 
That's why he glories in you. So he can glory so he will be glorified. Look at you. There's nothing in you that was desirable, but he loved you and he saw you and he just absolutely poured out his blood for you. And welcomes you with open arms. Don't show favoritism, the Lord doesn't. He looks at the heart. In chapter 2, he also says, in that If we say we have faith, we must, as de- must have deeds as our proof, for faith without deeds is dead. You know, if Jesus is Lord, your life will be marked by obedience to his will. Your life will be marked by obedience to his will. Now, is that 24 hours a day, 7 days a week? Do we all fall short? <laughs> Do we all stumble? No, but our desire, our, our heart should be go, Lord... I know I've blown it, but I want to. I want to be back on track with you. Do that work, Lord. Forgive me. Let's 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 work on this together. And know how gentle He is, and how much He loves you. Just to go, yeah. Come on, son and daughter. Let's go. Let's do it again. He's full of grace and mercy. You know, our life should be marked by the good deeds that He set before us. Good deeds is revealed in the scriptures and by the Holy Spirit through the church. You know, those things that are evident to us. Seeing a person in need around us and, and loving them. Denying ourselves and thinking of what is best for someone else. And I look at it, you and I see that happening. These are the marks of a true, of a true Christian. In chapter 3, we are taught that we should be a, a people of godly communication. Did Marcus hit on that? How do we communicate with one another? The way the Lord would do it. Not the way the, the world works. Cutting each other apart. And that our life should also be marked by godly wisdom, not self-serving earthly wisdom. Godly wisdom. When we go into the decision-making processes, does this honor the Lord? We'll talk about that here in just a minute in chapter 4. And now here we are in, in the first part of chapter 4, and James says that we are to be a humble people, right? We should be marked by humility. Not a proud, arrogant, boasting people, but humble. We know our place before God. We've been saved. That doesn't mean we're a sheepish people and we don't speak the truth. You know? We stand up for righteousness. We stand up for the Lord and the gospel of Jesus Christ against evil. But we're a humble people. We know our place before our king. He is our Lord and our master. And so, if we say we have faith and yet there's no fruit of our faith in our lives, are we even in the faith? We have to examine ourselves. We have to examine our lives. Don't be fooled, James is saying through this whole thing. Don't be fooled. Jesus talked about it. You will know a tree by its fruit. You will know a tree by its fruit. What kind of tree are you? Now today, you know, in chapter 4, beginning in verse 13, James continues to exhort the churches that he shepherds. Verse 13 says, now listen. That means, come on now, in the Greek. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city and spend a year, a year here and there and carry on business and make money. Why do you even, uh, I'm sorry, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist 
that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, if anyone then knows what is good, they ought to do and doesn't do it. It is sin to them. Pretty uh, hard-hitting passage by James here. James is speaking to those Christians who go through life making plans without considering God's will. Who go through life considering, you know, without considering God's will in the matter. They just go and make plans. In this case, he's using a businessman. Now, I don't know about you. I'm going to use a stereotype here, forgive me. But uh, historically, the Jews have been pretty uh, industrious people. They know how to do business. And so, as you look into the history, this is something the church would have related to. They understand this type of thing. Well, you know, now... I want to be clear real quickly as I start. There, there's nothing wrong with planning your work and working your plan. There's nothing wrong with that. Actually, by itself, it's to be commended. The Lord talks about the sluggard and all these other things. There's nothing wrong with looking at something and, and wanting to go and, and to make some money and do these things. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's not what he did do. It's what he didn't do that there was the problem. The man did not consider the will of God when he was planning. He did not consider what God wanted to have happen when, it planned, when he planned it. It's interesting, this passage has five areas that this person took under their own will, their own power, didn't even consider God when they were making their plans. The first was time. Today or tomorrow we will go to this place. They took the time under their own planning and their own control. And secondly, the location. What about the location? We're going to go to this city or that. They took where they were going to go. Thirdly, the duration. How long are they going to be there? For a year. Fourth, chooses his own vocation to make a profit. The business that he's doing, he chooses by which means he's going to make things happen. And lastly, he chooses his own goal to go make a profit. Now, As I said, there's nothing wrong with going ahead and planning. These are good things. Very good things. But we have to be careful. His goal was what? To make a profit. And without the Lord, that's a dangerous thing. Without the Lord, that pursuit of money can absolutely devastate a person. It can be a dangerous thing. As we know that Jesus said, he said, Hey, the the love of money is, is... You know, it's the root of all kinds of evil. That pursuit after that. The desire for more. Now, in the world's eye, this guy would be awesome. You'd want to hire him. He thinks things out and plans. Yeah, this is the guy you want to have. But the problem is that James is talking to Christians here. Now, listen, you who say today or tomorrow, he's talking to the church. Christians who plan life, listen to this. Christians who plan life as if they were in charge, are sinning against the Lord. As Christians, we don't call the shots anymore. As Christians, we don't call the shots anymore. When you wake up in the morning, I want you to do this exercise. Look in the mirror and go, you don't call the shots anymore. 
going to be checking in with the boss. You don't call the shots anymore. If we're calling the shots, we need to wake up. Why do we do that? Why do we, why do we just go ahead and do it without the Lord? James says, well, part of it's because you don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. You haven't, you're ignorant about the future. There's a danger of doing that. As Terry pointed out last week. And also those who do that, they really don't have a good understanding of their lives before God. They, they, aren't, they don't have a proper relationship with the, before the Lord. They don't realize that He is the Master and we are the servants. We have been bought with a price. You know, James says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. We're, our, our life is so short. You know, if we, if we really look at the Lord and we, and we see Him and we know Him and we begin to experience Him, we have this relationship, there's just this humility that has to happen. We know our lives are short. And to look at Him, who, by the way, knows the future and, by the way, holds our precious life in His hands and will call us he knows when we, when we were born and when we died. It's in his power to give and to take away. Wouldn't that be a good person to consult in your planning, in your life? I just, we look at that parable last week in Luke. Guy woke up. Look at all this great stuff I have. Didn't even consider the Lord. I'm going to build more barns and all this stuff. He didn't realize that his life, his soul, was required of him that very evening. He was gone. How foolish. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills it, if it's his will, we will live here and do this and do that. That's how we are to live as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. It's about his will. But as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. Do we boast in our arrogant schemes? Now, we might not think it's arrogant. But we aren't the one who makes the definitions. He does. It's arrogant to make your own plans and say what you're doing without, without the Lord. We're going to get into practically how this happens in just a minute. But to just go ahead and say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go that. I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to, I'm going to do this or that this year. It's arrogance before the Lord. Any of you run a business before or, or been in charge of anyone else? How would you like if that employee said, I'm going to take this time off and I'm going to go here and there and do this or that? Kind of arrogant, isn't it? Kind of disrespectful, not recognizing the authority or their place that they have been put in. How much more? when we've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ to stand before God and just push him away in our daily matters and the things that are big and small. So, do you have plans for tomorrow? How about later today? How about this summer? You going on vacation? You gonna have the kids play sports? You gonna buy that car? 
You going to invest in that opportunity? Have you consulted with the Lord? Have you, have you laid it before him? Not to say these things are wrong. It's not what, they, what that man did. It's what he didn't do. You know, I just got back from vacation, and in that process, the, you know, we kind of felt like in our heart we wanted to go to San Diego to visit family and such in the fall. We were thinking about it, so we talked about it, and we just said, Lord, this is what we're thinking. You let us know if, if it's something you don't want to have happen. Just put it in our hearts. We're not our own. Laid it before him and felt like it was okay. Talked with some people that are important. Just felt like, okay, this is good. You're like, why is all that? We're just going on a vacation. Because it matters. I am not my own. I don't own my life. What I do affects my family. What I do affects you. What I do, I, I, this is a body. And he is our king, he's the head. So we talk about it. Lord, what is it you want to do? Give us perspective. And as the time went forward, it's like, okay, you're going on vacation. But what is it you want to do in our hearts when we're down there? Who is it you want us to see? This isn't about my, you know, what we want to have happen. Yeah, we have ha- things that we want to happen. But who is it you want us to minister to when you're down there? Time is precious. Some of our family members don't know the Lord. What is it you want to do in our heart? How is this going to, how can we make this an enjoyable experience for the kids, you know? How can we bring godly perspective? And then also just bring in the kids on the, in, this, in this situation, not giving them a bunch of decision-making opportunities, but letting them see that this is how we do life in the big things, but also the day-to-day. You know, like the sports situation. We, before we came up, I just prayed in my heart. I said, Lord, I'd love the opportunity to coach John in baseball. Not even knowing what that meant. And then John was on the team, and all of a sudden I received a call for the first time. You know, we had signed up for baseball. We received a call from whoever it was. And they said, oh, you come highly recommended. I'm oh, really? <laughs> just got into town. <laughs> I didn't say that, but, it, you know, by who? <laughs> The Lord wanted me to do that. He laid it out. And I said, okay, Lord, this is you. I didn't necessarily, it wasn't the best timing and all these types of things, but here you go, Lord. Let's do it. And we move forward. And God created some relationships and some opportunities to share the Lord and some time to bond with John. But it was about his kingdom. What are you going to do with this, Lord? That that's the mindset of a Christian. That is the mindset of a true believer is that every single opportunity, everything you are doing, every decision is made is about His will. His kingdom, His glory. Your car is not your own. Your bank account is not your own. Your body is not your own. You've been bought with a price. You have been crucified with Christ. You no longer live, but it's Christ who lives with you. You want to go the other way? You want to own your life? That's a scary situation. But everything is about Him and His glory. And how we can... Just to let you know, oh, that sounds so boring. Flesh, anybody here this morning? I don't want to do that. 
you are going to be deeply satisfied. I found in my life for everything in the, in the, in, that, that, the, that I've held on to, that the Lord wanted me to let go and give him lordship over, he has given me something in return that has fulfilled me so much more. The friends I had in the world that were friends, and now the family I have all across the country, all around the world, in Christ. I mean, talk about this little minute thing that I was holding on to, to you. To my brothers and sisters in the Philippines that pray for me. Brothers and sisters in Walla Walla that pray for me. My brothers and sisters in San Diego County that pray for me. What is that? It's incredible. The things he takes away, I will give you more in this life. It's so good. It's so good. So what about your sports? What about your vacations? What about just the day-to-day living? What about the day-to-day living? Lord, when you wake up in the morning, is it, is it, Father, I'm here to live for you. I've got to go to work. I've got all these tasks, but feel free to call an audible. Feel free to change my day. Feel free to bring in people across my path. Feel free to, you know, to flatten my tire. Whatever it takes to get me to do what you want me to do. I'm about you, Lord. That is the mindset that we are to have. Because that was the mindset, this is big, of who? To the end. In everything, it was about his, his, his kingdom. Somewhere in John it says, guess what? Those who are Christ have crucified, that's in Galatians, those who are Christ have crucified their passions. And those who are Christ will walk as Jesus walked. We're Christians. That word means little Christians. That was a mocking term they gave them. You're just like Christ. You're little Christians. Yeah, I am. Hopefully. But how that's turned around. You're Christians. What does that mean? It means you're a hypocrite. Doesn't it? In our culture. You're a hypocrite. May it not be so. Amen? I'm praying this morning that this is going to revolutionize our lives. Absolutely revolutionize our lives. Just turn it upside down. Just this thought of every single thing is His. Every opportunity is His. It's not where I want to serve. We don't serve God on our own terms. We serve God on His terms. Lord, where do you want me to serve? Lord, I don't want to serve there, so I won't. Okay, Jonah. You want to get kicked off the boat and have a miserable time? (laughs) No, we want to be joyful servants of the Lord. We serve where He wants to serve. And when you do it, you find satisfaction. You find joy. He's so good at doing that. Is it going to be hard? Yes. Are you going to crucify your flesh daily? Yes. But you are made by him. He holds your purpose in his hands. He's created you for a purpose in this life that you would walk in it in Christ Jesus. And anything other than that 
It's just sad. Just think. If just this group of people, forget about everybody else who's on vacation and going over the places. I'm just talking about this. Look what Jesus did with, with 12. But if just us this morning, if each and every single one of us woke up tomorrow and said, Lord, your will be done, what would happen to this place? What would happen in your home? What would happen in your work? What would happen in the community? What would happen to those people who are hurting and lost? What would happen in your marriage, in your relationship with your kids? What would happen? But that's dying to self. Yes, it's the cross. It's the only way. But what would happen? And that's the vision. The vision is Jesus. To honor him and to live like him. To bring glory to the Father in the works that we do here on earth. Amen? That is what we're here for. Not for me. For him. Praying that it will revolutionize our lives. And just real quickly, I wrote this down. It says, when we respond to the Spirit of God, when we were born again, those of you who have said, Lord, God, save me. You know? When we called out to God, oh God, I'm a sinner. I have sinned against you and deserve to be separated from you throughout all eternity. But you sent your son, Jesus. And I believe he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin and to give me new life. And I believe it. And I believe that three days later you raised him from the grave that I might be raised with him one day. I believe it. I believe in and accept him as my Lord. And when we made that confession of faith in the gospel, from our hearts and with our mouths, we were changed. We were changed. We were conveyed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We were changed from children of wrath to children of the Most High God. We became a new creation in Christ Jesus. We became born again. We were crucified with Christ. And we no longer live, but Christ now lives in us. This is a fact. We were bought with a price, and we are no longer our own. But we are his, and we live to do his will. It is a reality. I wrote that for myself. That is the reality. You have been born again. We are his. And so, verse 17... If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. Woo! Talk about the things we, you know, most of the time we think about sin, we think about the things we did wrong. Right? Oh, what about the things we don't do? Oh, Lord! (laughs) Don't add that whole dimension to my... (laughs) But that also brings about the fullness of the reconciliation of Christ Jesus, that those things we did do and the things we didn't do, he paid for. How much does God love you this morning? How much did he buy with his precious blood to cleanse you from your sin, me from my sin? It's done. It's finished. You're saved. And now it's time to grow up. It's time to look that now we are children of the Lord. We live like it now. Dad, what's, what do you want me to do today? 
what's the good we ought to do? The sin of omission, theology calls it, not doing what we should. Let me just give you a quick example in closing. The other day, um, when I got back, I went to Walmart, and I just saw this young guy. He had his cap on sideways and all this kind of stuff, and I just looked at him, and I just had compassion in my heart. I'm like, why would I have compassion in my heart for this guy? I don't have compassion for anybody. But this guy, I looked at him. You know what I mean? And that's the Lord. And I just felt like I need to go tell him about Jesus. I felt like that was what the Lord wants me to do. And so I saw him, and I'm like, nah. And I started to go to the left. Look, food. Uh, you know? And then I'm like, I've been here before. I'm tired of that life. I don't ever want to taste it again. I want to be about you, Lord. You know, when I make that left, it's about my will. It's about what I care about, not what he cares about. He cared about that young man. And he had someone in there that was his. And he said, you're up. No, let's go over to the groceries. No, I pulled back. Yay. Went over there. You know, stuck my hand out and... They go, hey, I'm Matt. And he's like, like looking at me like, what are you, weird? And he's like, <laughs> I said, listen, I just want to tell you that the Lord put it on my heart to tell you that, that he loves you, that Jesus Christ died for your sins. And if you call upon him, you'll be saved. He's here for you. And just his whole demeanor changed. You know, his whole demeanor changed. I said, that's it, man. God bless you. And I went out and did my thing. That's all the, I'm the messenger. It's not a result. It's not up to me what happens with that. It's not up to you what happens with that. Or if they like you or they don't like you. As a matter of fact, Jesus said you're going to be persecuted in this world for doing things like that. Luckily, I, I didn't get that time. But it's about his will. It's about his glory. And I know the Lord cared enough for that guy. We're probably going to see him. If not here, then there. But you are his. And this life is not your own. We are to be a people who are filled and led by the Spirit of God to accomplish the will of the Father. Amen? Let's pray for a second.